This podcast is brought to you by Fear Free, the initiative that takes the pet out of petrified and puts treat into treatment. Learn more at fearfreepets.com. This is the Fear Free podcast series. I'm your host, Steve Dale. Today, I'm joined by Dr. Leanne D'Aristotle, professional services veterinarian with Blue Buffalo. Fear Free is, of course, all about reducing fear, anxiety, and stress in our pets. And today, we want to talk about stress in our dogs and the issue that can create and how nutrition might be able to help. Dr. D'Aristotle, thank you for joining us today. Thank you for having me. I'm pleased to be here. Stress colitis is a condition that veterinarians and many pet parents, unfortunately, are way familiar with. Is there any new information, new information that can help clinics to deal with these patients more effectively? Yes, and that's one of the things that we'd like to talk about today. We definitely have more research that causes us to question traditional treatments, especially antibiotics in these pets. And we also have research that supports recommendations for more effective management techniques. And that would include things like fear-free methods. Now, how can fear-free methods... So we're thinking about here and we're talking about colitis, a medical condition. When we think fear-free, we're thinking about emotional well-being. How are the two connected? Well, of course, we have the the brain-gut axis or the brain-gut connection. The gut is affected by neurologic inputs from the brain and, of course, emotions there. The gut is affected by stress hormones, things like norepinephrine and um, cortisol. And we don't completely understand how stress leads to colitis, but certainly we see evidence of that all the time. This colitis ends up to be a sort of inflammation. That's what colitis means. It ends up to be a sort of inflammation of the gut. And we can see this as a response to um, either physical stresses, things like exercise or work, or psychological stresses like boarding, moving, travel, or changes at the home, maybe a new baby or a new pet. Um, We know that we see this in dogs that have a tendency toward um, anxiety and dogs that are high strung. So for example, military working dogs, um, we often see stress colitis in them. Even things like immune function and the gut microbiome, which I hope we'll get a chance to talk about, may be involved, or the, the bacteria in the gut may be involved in this stress to colitis um, relationship that gets set up. You know, at one point in time, veterinarians and human physicians too, uh, you say something is wrong. You know, the problem is doesn't matter what the problem is. And the answer is antibiotics. Uh, and certainly for what we're talking about, colitis, antibiotics has been a traditional go-to, but now new research suggests, I believe, that that isn't necessarily the right go-to. Sure. Um in the, in the past, we generally, and even to some degree today, we're starting to move away from that. We generally, as part of the treatment um, for these dogs, we generally used antibiotics like metronidazole and, uh, and or tylosin. And they certainly have a place in the treatment of um, colitis if it's bacterial in or- origin or um, if the animal is septic. So we would never say never use antibiotics, but this new research um, 
has been suggesting that not only, or indicates actually, not only does routine antibiotic treatment not consistently reduce the time to resolution of stress diarrhea, but these drugs also have negative consequences that we're well aware of. And the one good piece of news about stress diarrhea is that it's generally short-lived. It's an acute diarrhea. It usually resolves within days to a week anyway, but there are things that can shorten the course. Antibiotics are not, um, are not a group that has been shown to do that. And when we talk about those negative consequences, they can range for, for antibiotic treatment in these dogs. They can range from anything um, as minor as GI upset, of course, they already have an upset GI tract, to increased risk for antimicrobial resistance, which is definitely a concern in veterinary and human medicine today, as well as detrimental changes to the bugs in the gut, to the normal beneficial bugs in the gut, the gut microbiome. And multiple studies show that um, broad-spectrum antibiotics can markedly derange the fecal microbiome or the intestinal microbiome, even with short-term use. So there was a study where dogs were given metronidazole for just a week or two, and it took more than four weeks for their gut microbiome to get back to a normal or healthy state. Um, and that was not just the bugs, the, the bacteria in the gut, but also the metabolic, uh, the metabolic environment for those bugs, which is really important for them to thrive. So we definitely have evidence that, um, using antibiotics can, um, put the dogs in a worse place and not in a better place. We know that that gut microbiome is really important to help moderate inflammation, which is part of colitis. So you want you want that bacterial balance or that microorganism balance to be as healthy as it can be in these patients. And so for patients with short-term uncomplicated enteric diseases like stress colitis, the risk of using antibiotics seems to outweigh the benefits. And this is similar to what we're seeing in human medicine. So for the veterinarian that says, oh, but I've given my clients metronidazole and They've come back to me three, five, six days later and say, oh, it works. You you might say that, well, probably what that dog had was self-limiting anyway, and the dog would have been fine with chicken soup or whatever. Or nutritional. Actually, the dog might have gotten better more quickly with nutritional management, with probiotics. Um, some of the other things that we might talk about that uh, that have been shown to shorten the duration of diarrhea, of stress colitis. And to be clear, I didn't literally mean chicken soup. No, that's okay. Don't don't give your dogs that. <laughs> I know you know. Uh, so, how do veterinarians decide if a dog has stress colitis versus an infection that should be treated then with an antibiotic? Yes. Well, stress colitis is largely a diagnosis of exclusion, and we need to um, exclude some important things like. Um, GI parasites, any animal with enteric disease with uh, diarrhea, we're going to screen for GI parasites, and especially things like whipworms and giardia for um, for these uh, for the signs that these dogs have, and also screening for things like parvovirus, and if we can, for other enteric pathogens. But there's a, even though every dog is an individual, there's a fairly typical um, clinical picture for a dog with stress colitis that can um, help us a good history and a good physical exam on these dogs. 
these animals will have an acute onset of what we call large bowel diarrhea. And other than that, they're pretty much normal. They're pretty much healthy. Um, you're not going to see, you usually don't see fever in these dogs. They usually aren't markedly dehydrated. They usually don't vomit. Um, but what you will see is straining and urgency to defecate. You'll see mucus and sometimes even um, fresh blood in the stool. And of course, working with the client, you can figure out this recent history of a physical or psychologically stressful event. The things that we've talked about, like maybe the dog's been boarded, maybe there's been travel, maybe there have been other changes in the pet's environment. And then the the things that we've already said about dogs generally being uh, more anxious, and we may have a, a history of anxiety problems with this dog. And these are um, generally younger dogs as well. Hmm. Uh, so is there, if if that dog has a history, okay, when the dog is boarded, then mm -hmm. the dog is maybe going to have colitis because it's happened twice before. So if mm -hmm. there's some predictor of it and you can't avoid boarding that dog, I'm just using boarding the dog as an example, but there can be numerous stress examples, right? Uh, then is there something we can do proactively as pet parents or your clients can do proactively that you can recommend to prevent it from happening in the first place? Sure. And this is one place where the techniques, the, the um, methods in Fear Free can be really important because what we want to do to try to prevent this is to decrease the stress level in the dog and decrease the dog's response to that stressful event. So um, if we know what that event is and we can't avoid it, we can try to take the stress out of that event, um, take the fear out of that event. So all of the techniques that we talk about in Fear Free, um, things like um, play, things like treats, things like pheromone sprays, sometimes even anti-anxiety medication, things like preparing the pet um, for um, meeting this stressful event. So if the dog's going to be boarded, take it, make sure it's, a, or if, if it possible, um, make sure it's a place that they've been to before. Um, try taking them there, kind of an early run, mm -hmm. um, to get them familiar with the place. Look for a boarding facility that, um, that understands fear free. Um, that can be a really important thing. And boarding facilities can even be certified, by the way, as being fear free boarding yeah. facilities, which is a great thing for a whole lot of reasons, but it gives your clients then some good feeling that that boarding facility is going to at least pay attention to fear, anxiety, and stress in your dog because they've been taught to do so. What about probiotics? So probiotics can be helpful, and um, we really need to look at the evidence behind the particular probiotic that we might be using because not, every, not all probiotics are equal in their ability to um, impact gut pathology. So probiotics are live microorganisms that have a proven health benefit. Um, to the host when they're administered in adequate amounts. And that proven is really important. And that goes back to the not all probiotics are equal. Um, we believe that they work by establish, by reestablishing a healthy GI bacterial balance um, after it's been disrupted by stress. But that bacterial balance um, 
actually reestablishing another another colony of good bacteria may not need to happen, oddly enough. Some types of probiotics have definitely been shown to reduce the duration and limit the incidence of stress diarrhea. And as an example, um, there was a study in service dogs that were experiencing the stress of being in advanced training. And these dogs, half of these dogs were given a daily, um, daily administration of a canine derived probiotic strain. So a specific probiotic preparation and then half were controlled. Um, and this administration of this probiotic actually reduced the time to resolution of diarrhea and it reduced the percentage of dogs that went on to be given metronidazole in this particular facility. Metronidazole was used in dogs that had more severe diarrhea. So this was an indication that the probiotic also decreased the severity of the diarrhea. Mm-hmm. And then there are other studies that have shown a lower incidence, going back to this idea of preventing. Other studies have shown um, beneficial effects on with some pro- probiotics when they've been administered before. So a lower incidence of diarrhea when dogs were given a probiotic before the stressful event. The veterinarian really needs to look at the research behind the product claims before they decide this is the probiotic that I'm going to use for stress diarrhea. Here's a kind of a crazy question. Is prevention helpful in this way? Obviously, it's helpful, but the more you're able to prevent... So is this a case of something, the more it happens, the more it might happen and progressively, in fact, get worse, the more inflammation there may be each time and the more difficult or challenging at some point in time to deal with. And the less it happens, the less inflammation, obviously. I'm I'm not asking this correctly, but hopefully you're getting the gist of what I'm trying to ask. Sure. Some of these animals seem to be so prone that what becomes, what starts out as an acute bout of stress colitis can lead to a chronic problem. So if we can nip that in the bud, so to speak, um, we can we can definitely impact the well-being of the pet. Well, and thank you for understanding what I was trying to ask. <laughs> How no about problem. diet? Is there evidence that diet can make a difference? Um, yes, definitely. There are um, studies with uh, some of the uh, therapeutic GI diets So these diets that are formulated specifically to support the GI tract that show that they've been proven to reduce the duration of stress diarrhea um, and stress colitis. So these diets are formulated to support the healing process and to um, and to make the gut as healthy, provide everything that the gut needs to make it as healthy as it can be. And if you think about it, you know, that food that the dog eats is going to pass through all of the intestines, including the colon. And so food has what we would call trophic effects that are really important in these sorts of conditions. So uh, there was a study that I'm really familiar with, with one of our uh, gastrointestinal diets. So feeding this diet to um, shelter dogs, to dogs that were going into a shelter, so that's a stressful situation and that resulted in diarrhea when this diet was fed versus a control, we got quicker resolution of the diarrhea and we got improved stool quality in those dogs. And um, similar studies have been done with other similar GI diets. So not only can you impact the stress diarrhea when it's ongoing, 
But if we begin to feed such a diet before the stressful event, we can put the dog in the best place to try to decrease the severity of that, maybe even prevent um, that diarrhea from occurring. And the other thing that's important about thinking about feeding the diet before the stressful event happens, feeding a, a diet that supports the gut before a stressful event happens, is that when a dog has diarrhea or has a GI upset, that's not the best. It may be the best and the worst time to try to do a diet change because we know that some animals are sensitive to diet transitions. So even if you're transitioning them to a uh, a more optimal diet, sometimes it can have transient effects, um, transient negative effects. If you have an animal that you know is prone to these sorts of um, problems, it's best to go ahead and get them on the diet before the stressful event happens. And if you have an animal that does this frequently in response to stress, this would be an indication to feed a, a GI support diet as the animal's main diet, as the animal's sole diet. And most of these diets are complete and balanced. In, in fact, many of them are complete and balanced, not only for adult maintenance, but also for puppies. Yeah, so, from those from the major pet food companies are all completely yeah. balanced, of course, and AFCO approved. Uh, well, Dr. Daristotle, actually fascinating stuff. Uh, and, you know, really important because stress colitis, I don't know how common it is, but I do know this. It's really common. <laughs> and <laughs> and uh, either overdiagnosed or underdiagnosed, probably a little of both, right? I, I think we, we may. Um, with all things in veterinary medicine, it's probably underdiagnosed because there are animals that, uh, there are pets that, that have these problems that we may not see. True. Yeah. Um, yeah. All right. Well, thank you so much for the conversation. I I thank you. I thank Blue Buffalo. You are professional services manager for Blue Buffalo. Thank you very much. Thank you for this. If you're already registered for Fear Free, be sure to keep up with all the Fear Free happenings, access the new toolbox items, and find out all the additional courses at fearfreepets.com. Of course. And if you're not registered, then find everything you need to get started at fearfreepets.com. If you're a member interested in pursuing veterinary practice certification, get more details on the same site under the Veterinary About section. If you're just a pet owner who stumbled upon this podcast, hopefully you learned a lot. I know I did. Consider yourself lucky, and you can learn much more at fearfreehappyhomes.com. I'm Steve Dale.